Good morning, and welcome back to our Never Too Much Christmas. You're like, there are that many Christmas movies. It's incredible, right? And uh, <clears throat> so hope you hope you enjoyed that montage. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different as we start this morning. There are at least four of our families at this church that are all at home sick. And so uh, you guys can't see it, uh, those that are at home watching us and enjoying it. And don't worry, we'll check up, follow your IP address and make sure you're watching. Um, but uh, it's a, uh, there's a lot of folks missing this morning. So if we could just pause and pray for the health of uh, just the season and people coming in and there's sicknesses all jumping up right now. So we're going to do that. I know we don't normally break rhythm of church like that, but there's just so many uh, that are sick. And so would you just join? If you're healthy, would you pray for the sick? If you're sick, would you pray for yourself and the others that are sick right now? We're just going to pause and do that right now in service. Father, we just want to come and ask for, together as a congregation, just ask for those of uh, our body members who are not feeling well. I know there's people all throughout the planet who are struggling with COVID in general and now flus and colds and all sorts of stuff. And God, we just, we just want to ask that you would heal. We want to turn to you and trust that you absolutely can. And, and in the faith that we have, uh, we want to uh, pray for the healing of our, our friends and family members. And we want to ask that, that you would heal them completely and, and wholly and that they would be able to uh, worship you um, again in health. And I also ask God that for those that are sitting at home sick or maybe in there in the hospital sick, uh, just that they would still be able to worship you, that sickness would not prevent a worship of you, God, that our hearts would be turned to you, whether we're here in person or whether we're together in, in spirit uh, online and, and meeting together that way. God, we just uh, want to pray for the health of our folks, and, and uh, we know that a bunch of them are sick uh, now, and so ask God that you would just be healing. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we're about to do our shouts, but the first one... It's, uh, what, what are we doing as a church? That's what we shout out. Uh, what's, the, what's our mission statement of, a shirt, of our church? So we often say, like, we're going to do the shout, and I say, what do we, what do, we uh, do? But it's really like, what is our purpose? So you guys, what's our, what's our church's mission? What's our church's purpose? To love God and love others. And if I was going to say that out loud to people, how would I address them? And that's that, what do we say? We say, I love God and I love you. So, ooh, I was mixing it up right there, you know, and... Uh, there are a couple of things I wanted to highlight. I love you too. I, she was uh, talking to her neighbor, I think, but I, I received that one all the way up here. Um, my friend uh, Tim uh, Swan, some of you might know him, he wrote a book called The uh, Body Worship, The Postures of Praise, and, and I am about, uh, oh, about a quarter way through of it and enjoying it quite immensely, and I wanted to support him. So I bought a 20 of his books at discount price. Don't worry, I didn't pay full price. And so I want to give uh, all of our church members uh, one of these books if you'd like to have one. I have 20 of them sitting out. Now, I don't want to take any home because all I need is one to read. And so I've already bought them. So please, would you just take one on your way out uh, and grab that? And uh, I think there'll be enough left over. We'll have a few. If we sell all these out, I think there's some really good principles that we want to follow as a church in here. If we sell them all out, I'll, I'll grab a couple more from him. And so just I want to encourage you to do that. What a fantastic, uh, so far, quarter of the book. Uh, I've underlined a bunch of parts and I'm pretty excited about what God is sharing through my uh, friend Tim in this book. So if you could pick that up. It is uh, my Christmas gift to you this, uh, this season uh, and my Christmas gift to him because I loved him. And I wanted to buy a bunch of his books so he felt good too, you know. So I get like a double blessing. I get to give it away and, and I got to bless him and so exciting. Uh, next Saturday, I want to let you guys know that we had a, Brandon is back in town. Uh, Jerry's not feeling really uh, uh, well, so he, he's at home and that's why Brandon was... Uh, uh, leading today, or, or Jerry's family isn't feeling well, and so. But Brandon's also leading at the source, you know, that source in 
Buena Park. He's leading at the source at 7.30 on Saturday. Now, there's a whole event that's going on, but if you just want to pop in and see him, that'll be at 7.30 on Saturday. Uh, should be pretty exciting. Um, bunch of worship, bunch of Christian kind of stuff, so it's really cool. So come on out and join him then. Uh, thanks, Brandon, for he, he stepped in la- uh, yesterday, filled in on our Jingle and Mingle worship time, and then he jumped in today, uh, not even with any warning other than a, you know, a day or so. So thank you, Brother Brent. I think he ran outside. I don't know where he is. I don't see him right here, so... Anyway, he's, a, he's like, he already left. He's like, I'm out of that. <laughs> huh? Oh, he's leading worship somewhere else. Yeah, possibly. Okay, so uh, I'm going to, would you grab this? There you go, sweets. You get the first one. All right, so uh, the first time I went skydiving, and I say like first time like I did a lot. I actually only did it one time. But the first time I went skydiving, that sounded a little like, I want to show how cool I am, right? Uh, the one time I went skydiving, uh, which I actually did. That's a like humble brag right there. Um, it's it's a really weird thing to go skydiving. Uh, it's, now I think about it as I'm a little older. I don't think I would do it now. I'm too scared to do it. Like as I get older and older. But I was younger and dumber. And uh, I went to go skydiving with my friends, and it seemed like a good idea when we got there, and the planes were taking off and stuff, and sitting in the little, you take like a 30-minute course if you're going to do the tandem. If you want to jump up by yourself and they just hold you, and then you pull your own cord, you got to take an eight-hour course. So we're not doing that. So we're like, okay, we'll jump with the tandem where they like strap you onto a professional, and then you jump out of the plane. And, and so we're like, okay, we'll do that to 30-minute, you know, they teach you what to do and this kind of stuff. Okay, cool, cool. And then they, they strap you up, and... You're looking at the, it seemed like a lot, like two, like one, two, three, four different straps that I'm attached to this guy, and I was okay, and the, the guy was all right, you know, a little nervous. He's pretty close because you're strapped to them, uh, and normally I, I get a little nervous about that kind of stuff, but, but not in this time. I was like, strap it up tight, get close, brother, get close, we're new, you know, we're friends, and so we go to this uh, like rickety plane. I, I've been on planes, but the, the one I went on here, I'm saying it's a plane, but it didn't really feel like a plane. It was like a, a metal container that happened to take off. A, there, were, there were no seats in there. There's no, like, there's, there weren't any beverages. Nobody told me to fasten a seat. There was nothing. It's like this, uh, they, they hollowed out this old prop plane and pull off, and you're on this little bench strapped to this guy, and it's going up, and it's going up, and there, uh, the, there's no insulation or like, it's just like rickety. You're here like, and I'm like freaking out because I'm like, skydiving is scary. Skydiving's all right. It's a little scary. The plane is super scary and it's anticipation, you know. It's always the anticipation of something. So we're flying up, up, up. The thing's rattling. Like I can't hear. It's already super noisy. I'm freaking out in my head, you know, like can't like control your breathing a little bit, getting nervous. Like, but it's like my guy friends and you know, there's no way I'm not going to do it. Plus, I paid money, and you know me, I'm super cheap. I'm like, I'm doing this for sure because I paid money. I'm trying to get my value worth. And, but I'm freaking out. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, oh, man. Like, if I could sweat, I would sweat. But it was like, you know, you're getting high altitude. It's getting cool. And I'm like, oh, freaking out. And, and so they, they get to the top. They open this door. And it's just an open door. And then, like, why'd you open the door? We're in a plane. It's a bad idea. Who's opening doors in planes? Nobody. Not when you're super high up. I don't know how many hundred thousand miles or 500,000 miles we were up. Uh, probably like 20,000 miles up. But, I mean, 20,000 uh, feet up, something like that. But uh, it, I could barely see this ground looking out there. And then they, they shimmy you towards the door. And he goes, we're going to go. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go. But you stand there. And he counts one, two. And then you don't even, the moment you let go, the plane sort of sucks you out. You, you're like, stand there and boom. And it's like, 
all you can, all I could feel was like rushing wind, like whoosh, couldn't hear anything. It was super loud, but I didn't feel like I was falling. Or really weird. There was no sensation of falling. All there was was a sensation of wind because there's nothing going by you. You can't tell that you're actually falling. And there wasn't a falling feeling because that's a, just a trick of your brain by the thing. You can't measure that you've fallen 3,000 feet. There's no way because there's no landmarks to see. Everything was this big and now it's this big. But we're talking about of like visual millimeters. So it doesn't feel like falling. And I was like, oh man, this is not bad. Your face is like, ah. And then they pull the cord, boom. And all of a sudden it goes from like, ah, to dead silence. So weird. Pull the chute. Because there's no ground noise. We, we live in a world of noise. Now all of a sudden you're sitting there, dead quiet. Your feet are dangling. Now you could see the ground. Now you start thinking about those four straps. <laughs> Were those four straps tied tight? I think you used a Velcro one. How strong is Velcro? Velcro's probably a bad idea. And then you start to freak out again. I'm like, if these, so I'm trying to hold this tighter. I don't know if that will do. If I can reach back, if, if I fall, my, my legs start shaking. Just as I'm sitting there, it's nice and peaceful. It's like amazing. But I'm getting scared again because if these straps break, I am dead, dead. Like, ah, dead. You know, like, also, and then like, this is a bad idea. This sucks. This is the worst thing ever. Like, oh, oh, but it's nice and quiet. And there was like, so this weird juxtaposition of like this peaceful quiet and then this terrified feeling inside and then eventually boom I, I lived through that one uh, spoiler alert <clears throat> get to the get to the ground eventually uh, partway through the guy started chatting and I was like shut up it's quiet here <laughs> and, get, and then I was like, I don't want to talk I just want to live and they get to the ground and when I'm on the ground you know I was like whoa that was amazing that was great that was awesome I wasn't saying that during any of that time till I got to the ground see it was fear 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 ah fear 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 Awesome! That was wondrous! That was amazing! That was so cool! And it only, my fear turned to wonder, when I was safe on the ground. And today, uh, often on the other side of fear comes wonder, and that's what we're going to be looking at today in our passages. All of the people that we see, they're going to react with fear with the situation they're faced with, but that fear in each of the cases turns to wonder. And what are they fearful of? They're fearful of angels. Angels show up. And people get scared. This is almost universally the interaction with human beings and angels as recorded in the Bible. It's never like peace and light as they come. It's always terror and fear when angels show up. And so there seems to be some connection, I think, to fear and wonder in real life. Like, uh, like watching the ocean. I don't know if you think about the ocean. Sometimes I watch the ocean and I'm like, that thing is awesome. It is like wondrous. I'm mind blown. But the ocean terrifies me. The amount of things that live in there, if you were like in the ocean and you couldn't see land, like that is, it's wondrous, but it's terrifying. Or I think about space, I look in space, but space is terrifying as a reality. Can you imagine being stuck in space? Like the coldness, the, the distance, the, the magnitude of it is terrifying, yet it's wonderful. And so I think there's some sort of connection between fear and wonder. And, and I was kind of thinking about it. When does fear turn to wonder? I think it's when you don't die. <laughs> right? I can look at the ocean and I'm safe on the land. That's wonderful. I, I got onto the land from the sky. The parachute worked. The strap didn't break. That was wonderful because I didn't die. When God comes through or you survive the thing, when you realize that, that something awesome is awaiting on the other side of the fear, not something 
terrible, then it turns to wonder. Now, I don't think this is an exact relationship because I know there's some of you who are trying to think like, hmm, are there any cases where fear does not turn to wonder? Yes, sometimes fear turns to dead and sadness. Okay, I'm not saying it's an exact correlation, but I'm saying that there's some sort of relationship between fear and wonder. And don't push the analogy past what it wants to be. But I, I do think there is something to, to fear and wonder and the connection that they have together. And I think sometimes fear turns to wonder, especially uh, when we encounter God or when we see God doing something, or we see even God's creation, that kind of thing. When we come out on the other side and it turns out to be really good. And we're going to see that wonder as the key today for what we're talking about. Two weeks ago, we looked at the anticipation of Christmas that came through the forerunner of, uh, forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, and his family. And last week, we stepped into the confidence of Christmas as we looked at uh, thousands, years, thousands of years of prophecy leading up to Christ. And this week, I hope to see the wonder of Christmas brought through and highlighted by the angels surrounding Christ's birth. So we saw, already saw an angel two weeks ago that appeared to Zechariah in our first week of this study. And that was in uh, Luke 1.12. When Zechariah saw him, the angel, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Then the angel went on to tell him about the good news, that, he was gonna, uh, that John was going to have a son. And he's going to be John the Baptist, and, and he's going to lead to the Messiah. And Zechariah comes out of this encounter speechless, like literally speechless. I mean, he like muted him. Like, he was so full of wonder over the magnitude of what was happening. And then, then uh, we looked at uh, Zechariah's prophecy when God finally let him talk. Then a few months later, another angel appears. Or actually, it's the same angel, but he appears to Mary. And uh, here's where we're picking up today. In Luke chapter 1, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in, in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her, and he's like, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled, or she was fearful. She was, something gripped her right at that moment at, at his words. And then she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So Gabriel's been busy. He shows up to Mary, uh, and then she's immediately both curious and trepidatious. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm scared, but what kind of greeting is this? Now, this is certainly a moment that we recognize as part of the Christmas story. And, and so as we're looking at Christmas, we see that Mary is this integral part of it. Like I mentioned in the beginning, angels almost always elicit a fear response until that fear turns to wonder. See what happens right after he says that to Mary. But the angel says to her, in this Luke 1.30, don't be afraid, Mary. So he... She obviously had this reaction of fear. He said, you have, been, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and you're going to give birth to a son and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign uh, over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Man, that's something like Christmas right there. I mean, it's so fun for us, so exciting. I don't know if... If you start to get excited as you hear the Christmas story, but I kind of do. You know, the angel shows up, he's talking to Mary, and he says, the Messiah is coming, and I'm getting excited. Uh, I'm getting, like, joyful feeling of this holiday season, that kind of stuff. But, but what would that have been like for Mary? 
See, Mary doesn't have a Christmas tree. She doesn't have any presents. That, that hasn't been invented till much later. She's not celebrating anything. She just heard this news that, uh, that somehow, even though you're a virgin, God's going to come and give you a baby, and he's going to be the savior of the universe that all of the world has been waiting for for all of history. She's 14 or so, 15, 13. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> That sounds like the worst idea I've ever heard. God, you know, like that. I was like, that was not, I was going to take pre-algebra next year, she said. You know, like, what are you talking about? I'm a baby and savior of the world. And, you know, I was like, I was going to, I want to go and learn to do the cross weave next year. Like, what are you talking about? What would that have been like for Mary? Full of wonder? Or just wondering what the heck is going on, you know? Here's her response. She says, uh, how will this be? I took health one. Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Angel, that's not how humans work, she said. And the angel said, get what he said. Here, uh, we, we read a lot, but try to figure out exactly what he's saying. The Holy Spirit's going to come to you. See if you can see any Trinity language here. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me uh, be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I mean, this angel just dropped the biggest of all bombs on her, that the entire Trinity was going to interact with her. It says here that, that God the Father was going to send God the Spirit to place God the Son inside of her to carry. And her response is incredible. She says, all for God. She says, God, I'm down for whatever you want to do. I mean, many of the greats of the Bible, think about all the greats of the Bible when they interact and God calls them from uh, Isaiah or, or Jeremiah, from Moses, from uh, Jonah, from whomever you want to kind of think about. Many of the greats of the Bible have argued, complained, made excuses, run away the wrong direction, tried to get out of it. Uh, what is hers? She bravely and in faith says, okay. Not what I will, but what you will. May it, may it be like you want, God. Let's do this. And that is incredible. What incredible faith. I look at Mary like, man, I'll be freaking out. I'll be like, nah, get somebody else. I, don't, I love the Trinity, but I don't know if I want the Trinity putting a baby inside of me. Like, that's pretty crazy sounding. And she's like, no, whatever you want, God, let's do this. She was fearful at first. She heard the plan. And then she's like, yeah, let's go for it. Pretty crazy. She's going to have even uh, a more than front row seat to the greatest event in human history. She's going to be a part of it. To save humans uh, is God's plan, and he's going to do it by becoming a human, and he's using Mary. And Christmas is a wonder, and it's wonderful. Uh, but I wonder how her husband-to-be Joseph felt. Well, let's see. An angel actually appears to Joseph as well. 
This is in a different book, Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So this tells us a little bit about Joseph, that he is not only righteous, but he's also a good dude. He says the law requires, so clearly she's been unfaithful because she has a baby, and I'm betrothed to her, or I'm pledged to her. In, in Jewish society, pledged to her means that you have all of the responsibilities of marriage, but none of the benefits of marriage. So you have to do everything that a husband would have to do, but you don't get to live with her and be close to her and have sex with her or anything like that. So basically you have to pay money, build a house, take care, uh, but you don't get the, the upside. You, you get all the payout, but, and you have to do this for about a year. Depends on how the parents have agreed to the marriage arrangement. And so uh, for about a year you stay pledged to this person. And so he noticed that his pledged person, betrothed, was pregnant. And it wasn't him. And so he says, well... I know how this works, but rather than claim my right to stone her to death, which is his right as because she's an adulterer, clearly that's how you get babies, you have sex with somebody, and it wasn't him, so he, rather than claim his right in his mind, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow her uh, to just go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a certificate of divorce and divorce her. Uh, they couldn't just break up. That's not how uh, engagements worked at this time. They, they were pledged as if they were actually married, so she had to get a certificate of divorce. And so he said, I'm going to do that rather than, you know, exact my justice on her. So it, it tells us that he's righteous. He knows the law. But he says, I'm not going to do the law. I'm going to, uh, he's, he's not only righteous, but, he, but he's good. He's like, okay, I don't want to hurt her actually or something bad to happen. I'm just going to let her go. <clears throat> While he's thinking about this and trying to figure it out, something happens to him. It's recorded here right after that next section. But after he'd considered this, the angel of the Lord came, uh, appeared to him in a dream. And, and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I mean, what a crazy statement to hear from this angel. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, uh, how this could, like, how do you navigate this in reality? Like, we read it as a Bible story, but... But how do you navigate this in the reality? So if I'm Joseph and I'm getting married to Mary, and even if she tells me like that she's, you know, no, God came upon me and this is God's baby, what am I saying? I'm saying something like this. There's this uh, TikTok clip. Uh, I, I think it's out of order, but let me, let me show that one uh, right now. If you you want, baby? Fresh baked pie just for you. Where did you get this? I baked it from scratch. We don't have an oven. God help me. Joseph, please. You see how that sounds, Mary? <laughs> God put this baby here. You see what that sounds, Mary? It sounds crazy town. I couldn't do it. And God knows this. God knows Joseph would have been like, nope, nope. So God sends an angel. Of course God has to send an angel to Joseph too. Because otherwise he'd be like this. That's exactly how we would respond. So, so here Joseph, uh, you know. Um, Bible tells us, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us how he felt, but we can imagine how he felt. But he must have been going uh, through his mind something like that because it seems impossible. And so, like Joseph, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't have believed it unless God sent an angel. And so luckily, uh, and God knew that, so God sent an angel to Joseph to, to reassure him as, as well. But, but even after the angel thing, I don't know, you've got to be saying, like, how crazy is this? Like, what do you, 
God, you're talking about salvation of sins and that kind of stuff, and it's certainly confusing and frightening until it actually comes to pass, until you, you end up meeting this baby Jesus, and then all of a sudden there's, there's miracles going on in life and this kind of stuff. And so that fear turns to wonder only when God actually miraculously comes through. The angels tells Joseph that he's going to be part of raising God's son or God in human flesh, name him Jesus, who will save people from their sins. Now that phrase seems sort of normal to us because we've been to church, but there's no such thing as the doctrine of salvation through Jesus yet. Jesus hasn't been born. And so this stuff has got to be overwhelmingly confusing. What are you talking about? angel that 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 he'll save people from sins i don't even understand this and yet what does joseph do in faith in faith we see it here matthew 12 the, the next section matthew 1 22. all this took place to fulfill what the lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him emmanuel which means god with us when joseph woke up he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home to be his wife. But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name of Jesus. We may not know how Joseph felt, but we know what Joseph did. We know how he responded. He responded in obedience. What an act of faith to trust God through, even though the circumstances seem impossible. How do you explain that to any of your friends? How do you explain that to your family? How does Joseph continue to walk as a righteous person when everyone thinks he just married this unfaithful, adulterous lady? He says, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to obey. How do we know he says that? Because we see it in his actions. He doesn't have to say the words. His actions spoke loudly. Christmas is all about the wonder of the impossible. The thing we celebrate on Christmas, it shouldn't be possible. Angels and a Messiah and God coming in, in human form through a virgin and, and, and she's going to give birth and then God's going to save people through that person. All of this seems impossible. It seems too crazy. Dare I even believe something of, like that, of, of that magnitude? And that's part of the wonder of Christmas, that it is all impossible. This is insane if it's not real. This is crazy town, unless it's actually true. And then my fear of this thing turns to wonder, like, what the heck is God doing? Something amazing. And I think that, God, that Joseph kind of had to be like that. It sounds crazy, God, I don't know. I don't even know what's next, but I'm going to take the next step and the next step and the next step, and eventually... His fear is going to turn to wonder as he sees all the things that happen uh, in life. Maybe his entire life he shakes his head at the enormity of all, at the magnitude of what he's involved with. Pretty crazy. Fast forward a couple of months, and we got a couple of more angels, our last section of angels this morning. In Luke chapter 2, it says, uh, this is right, before, right after uh, Jesus is born. So Jesus is born, and then uh, this happens. There were these shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. You're like, oh, I know this one. That sounds like Christmas finally. You know, you see the snow falling, you see those shepherds out in the shepherd field or whatever shepherds hang out. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Mm-hmm. No, of course they were. That's how it works. But the angel said to them, Don't be terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, 
in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. Jewish word, Jewish guys, Jewish shepherds, they know the word. They're like, the Messiah? They're like, the Messiah. Like, the, the? He's like, the, the, the. Like, Messiah. Messiah. Like, the Messiah. He's like, yes, that's the one we're talking about. Uh, shepherds aren't always super smart, so we had to say it a couple times. Uh, it didn't record that because the Bible doesn't like to make people look totally bad. So. And he said, in case you didn't hear me the first time, here's a sign to you. You'll go into the city. You'll find a baby uh, wrapped in clothes and, and a cloth and lying in a manger. I mean, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I know I say that like every other week or so, but it's true. I like a lot of passages in the Bible. I really like the Bible. It's sort of staked my life on it. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And so um, I love this passage. These angels are dropping wonder all over the place. They're like, we show up to these shepherds and they're like, boom, here's good news, great joy, whole world, salvation, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, what's going on? This baby is going to cause great joy. Savior born, Messiah, oh, they're like Messiah. So I'm getting all those as I read this. I don't know about you, but this feels super Christmassy to me. So I'm getting my like cultural Christmas feels as well as my uh, theological Christmas feels. And they come together in this passage and it's pretty exciting. And, and I, super, uh, I super love it. Then these angels' homies all show up. So that, it was one angel and then all of a sudden a bunch of angels show up in the sky Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And there's a whole bunch of them shouting this or saying it or, or like in chorus, I don't know how it is. This, is. this is probably even better than Disneyland fireworks. Like talk about phantasmic. This is it, right? Like this has got to be, like there's angels on the sky. I don't know, do, they, do angels light up? Like, or are they dark and you can't even see them? Or you're just hearing them? I don't know. But something, like, something crazy is happening. Something, like, terrifying. First response, right? But then they didn't die. So they're like, wait, this is not now terrifying. This is wonderful. It's like the ocean and sky and all of it, right? So this is the reaction of the shepherds. Terrified? Are we getting killed right now? No, not, not getting killed? Awesome! Look at the angels. <laughs> Look at what they're doing. You know, this like, whoo, great, great part. There may not be a bigger wonder moment in the Bible. I was kind of thinking, is there a bigger wonder moment than this? Maybe like when God creates the heavens and the earth, but there, there's no one to see that. You know, it's just God hanging out with himself, so like uh, the Trinity. And so um, maybe, but that was just creating material stuff. Here, he's talking about the salvation of all of the human beings of the planet, anyone who's willing to turn to him. And, and it's happening right here. God came in human flesh. Uh, the angels shout and sing, singing, glory to God. This, so this is like the wonder moment of the Bible. And then when the, this, one, this is one of the funnier parts of the Bible, uh, I think. Uh, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds, they're sitting there and they say to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so I'm sort of there thinking about what that looks like. So one shepherd's like, uh, hey, Bob, you think we should go to Bethlehem? Like, you think? Like, these angels just showed up, started saying, and he's like, I'm thinking we, maybe, maybe we should go there. Talk about, this guy is like Captain Obvious of the, of the Bible. I'm not sure there's someone who is more Captain Obvious than, yeah, we should go check that out. If ever you should go check something out after a heavenly host shows up, yeah, you probably should go check it out. So if that ever happens to you, you know, you're, you're with a friend or two and, and the, the heavens come open and angels shout the salvation of the entire uh, human race is coming and, and it's just right there. Maybe we should go check it out. <laughs> what do you mean? Maybe you should go check it out. Of course you should go check it out. Genius. 
A while later, another angel tells uh, Joseph to flee to Egypt, and then an angel shows back up and tells them to, to move back to Nazareth. Those aren't exactly Christmas narrative angels, but I wanted to throw them in because they're kind of around that same, uh, same Christmas time all to round it out. So as we approach Christmas, let's do so with a spirit of wonder. Like really, the things of Christmas are enormous. They're unparalleled. They're supernatural. They're, they're spiritual things. Now, I want you to enjoy candy canes and lights and fun and presents and family. That, those are really good too. But the wonder of Christmas is in the Christ here. The wonder of Christmas isn't in, in just all of the trappings, and the trappings are important. See, a birthday party is great, and having cakes and candles are awesome, but it's no fun if the person isn't there. Do you ever get a birthday cake for someone who's not present? <laughs> like, no. You don't buy birthday cake like that. So all the decorations are fine. They're wonderful if we're celebrating the Christ that is the wonder. And so uh, this awe-inspiring moment of God of the universe becoming baby Jesus to rescue us, that's become like a funny phrase, baby Jesus, right? Dear baby Jesus, thank you, baby Jesus. But baby Jesus is wonderful. It's okay to, to have a special spot in your heart for baby Jesus. He's going to grow up and become big man Jesus who saves us. I'm sort of thinking of there's like some Will Ferrell movie where he talks about something like bad prayers or something. I only saw part of it, but that was it. And it's this awe-inspiring thing where this Jesus is going to save all of people from their sin. That undeserved gift from Jesus is called grace. The wondrous and mind-bending reality that, that we could be right with the God of the universe through him. and We can't beg, buy, or borrow it. It is God's gift to us. So there's never too much Christmas, not because we can never have too much Christ. I can say that again, and just pause in your heart and hear it. There can never be too much Christmas because there can never be too much Christ. For most of us, this isn't new news, but I, but I hope it still inspires wonder as we sit in this and as we get nearer and nearer to our Christmas time. The angels proclaim the wonder of grace, the birth of Christ. And this is a hallelujah moment. So I'm going to ask that you guys stand up and, and we're going to travel our minds back to that time. If you drink, come on, stand up. We're going to do, sing a song in just a second here. And even if you're at home, unless you're uh, hospital bedridden and you can't stand up, would you stand up even in your house? Jump out of your bed, it's all right. And uh, those of you that are here, we're going to stand. And we're going to sing this hallelujah as we stand together in worship and, and try to travel back and, and join that chorus of angels worshiping God and, and allow yourself to step into this place of wonder of Christmas again because of Christ, not because of all this stuff. So let's look to Him.